0: going nick awesome great thank you yeah now four days off beautiful yeah. uh, labor weekend settled with a uh, hook's anniversary day absolutely we are blessed you could get used to them couldn't you four day weekends yeah they're pretty special yeah but we, but as you and i were just saying before you know great opportunity right now to plant the veggie garden um it is the right time and uh, the weather was just stunning beautiful
1: well, before we go much further, this is my year in the veggie garden. Normally, I've got a black thumb, but I was out there purveying my <laughs> veggie garden on the weekend, and it's looking pretty good, so I must be doing things right. Anyway, today we we're going to talk about uh, inflation, but before we get there, just remind our listeners,
0: Nick, uh, what the Stew Group is all about, and where are you? Um, we are um, all things financial planning and investment. Uh, we're in 204 Kadamu Road in Hastings. That's the bless, black basalt stone building with the Tartan logo. And we're also on the terrace in Wellington. Now, when we t- talk about uh, a specialist like yourself, we always mm. think, oh, that's for the rich people. That's not the case. No, no, it isn't. Look, we just like to, we like to help people. Um, typically, you know, it kind of comes with one of those things, you know, like a lot of people talk about the fact that they'd like to have money. Yep. The fact is with money comes problems with money. so you generally find that a lot of people who have more money have more problems associated with it, like how to manage it, how to manage it effectively, uh, how to manage it in a tax efficient manner, and how to and and also how to lower the risk. so in other words, how are the investments held, um, you know do you hold physical assets um, et cetera.
1: Now, uh, today, one of the topics we're going to talk about is inflation. Mm. And I think it's currently running at about 4.9. The highest it has been for many years. Just before we start what you've got in mind, just explain to our listeners who might think, oh,
0: yeah, well, I, yeah, I know what inflation is, but they don't really. What is inflation? <laughs> well, inflation is it's like the thief in the night that steals from your wallet. So a lot of people would say, hey, I would love to have $1,000 buried in the backyard so that, I'll, so that I always know it is there. And I'd be the only one that knows that it's in the old cake tin back down the corner under the lemon tree. And but the fact is that thousand that dollars that you buried today will not be worth a thousand dollars in you know, materially in a year's time. Mm-hmm. You know, you could dig it up tomorrow and go and spend it, and prices may not have changed in the interim, but over a period of a year one would notice the difference. So for example, I filled up uh, my car over the weekend mm-hmm. and the i don't know if you've noticed but the price of petrol has gone up has it so it was interesting so my car takes about 90 liters of petrol and i use a cool little a cool little app called gas spy where i find out mm-hmm. within the in the kind of geo sector i am like i might be in say hastings at the time and it'll tell me where the cheapest fuel is but it was interesting. I you know, for my ninety litres, which is a large tank, and I only fill up about every six weeks, so it's not that much. But the fact is I did a little double take yeah. <laughs> when I when I actually went to pay the bill because you know what? It was it was about twenty five dollars more expensive than I last recall. Yes. And well, that is inflation. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that's just and, and look, I use fuel as one, but a basket of goods. So if you went to the supermarket and you were to let's say you found in your, in in your In your coat pocket, a grocery bill from a year ago, and you bought the same items today, you would notice the items for the most part would have all gone up, and that's because inflation at the present time is rolling on at a fair rate of knots at quite a clip, running at 4.9%. So, you know, the you know, the hundred dollars or the thousand dollars is worth. 4.9% 4.9% less today than it was a year ago. Benchmarked against that basket of goods, yes. that is CPI, or yeah. the Consumer Price Index.
1: So what causes inflation though? I mean, yeah, most people are saying, well, I haven't got any more money, the rent's the same, the guy who I rent the shop from, it's the same, rent hasn't changed. Well, what's what's the real well, culprit with
0: inflation? Well, ultimately it's economics 101, which is you know supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So if the um, you know, so back in the day when the price of a block of cheese hit ten dollars under the John Key yeah. administration, everyone kind of hit the roof and was like, "My goodness, what's what's going on?" But the, the you know the fact is that we were the global demand for milk and we, milk products and and um, namely cheese in this particular um, discussion uh, and that particular pressure point. Um, and it was around milk as well, but the block of cheese was that one that really caught the public's yes. eye. And the fact was that the demand for our dairy products was greater than our supply, so the price went up. Mm. So, like, if, um, you know, and, and it's a little bit like locally for anyone that follows, you know, like, um, you know, our, you know, agricultural sector, we know that, in you know, in a period of... Um, In a period of, for example, the last month we've had a good little bit of rain Mm -hmm. and we've got some amazing grass growth. You can see it everywhere. Well, the fact is that a lot of farmers want to go out and buy some sheep. But the fact is that there's the same number of sheep there to buy, um, you know, today as there was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So if everyone goes out to the market at the same time, the price of a ewe will go up. Yeah. And we know that when we enter a period of a drought, when a lot of people say, I should really offload some stock because I don't have a lot of grass – the fact is that, you know, pe- you know the um, the supermarkets and the butchers don't say actually we're going to go long on lamb meat, so or sheep meat, and um, so they don't do that. So effectively, their appetite, so to speak, excuse the pun, uh, their appetite at the time remains static, but the supply increases, so the price declines. It's just pure elasticity. Um, but what we've got at the moment, because of the huge amount of stimulus in the economy in the form of um you know 52 billion dollars worth of freshly minted rutherfords Mm. in other words kiwi notes they're chasing the same amount of goods that were in existence in simple terms as they were 20 months ago pre-covid so you've got more money chasing the same amount of goods now whilst i say it some people would be but I thought we had supply constraints, and the fact is, it's actually a little bit worse than just being a lot of money chasing the same amount of goods. In some cases, we've got fewer goods. Mm, indeed, um, and that means that we have a spike in inflation. And the key is: is this run going? Is this run of this lift in inflation, which is a lot? Four point nine percent is massive. Considering that in the time that I um, have been working since I left university, the average CPI over that period of my working life has been 3%. The difference between, you know, I mean, sure. call it 5, 4.9, the difference between 3 and 5 is a lot, Yeah, particularly when it flows through to interest rates.
1: What can the upside to inflation be? Well, the, infl-
0: the upside is that um, if you own physical assets, those assets are being um, inflation-adjusted up and the case in point that I recently wrote about was um, – and this is quite close to home, so you think um, – you know, and I, I, I enjoy supporting Hawke's Bay wineries and you know, drinking good wine accordingly, as uh, most GPs will tell you, it's good for your heart. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but if you look at Tamatra Estate Coleraine, their famous 1982 vintage, which was the flagship, the first ever year, year, won a major blind wine tasting offshore, did really, really well, and set Tamatra Estate up effectively – um so you had that particular wine would have been released for um you know pennies in the dollar a long time ago back in 1982 1983 well in i'm just looking at some of the prices so just recently as in like a year ago it sold for 355 dollars then in march this year it sold for 888 dollars and then in september it sold for 950 dollars Mm-hmm. And that's just for a single bottle of wine, 750 oh. mils produced by Tamada Estate in Havelock North. So that kind of gives you an idea of inflation. And then if we look at things like motor vehicles, well, if you'd gone out and bought an old clunker two years ago, so pre-COVID, and, you know, you could find that even after driving it for two years and putting quite a few kilometres on it, you would find the value of the vehicle has increased Now, this is something that never normally happens because a vehicle is a depreciating asset Mm. for the most part. But what we've seen over the recent period, people who have even bought new vehicles and driven them off the lot go back to change the vehicle a year later and offer the same price that they paid. That's right. So so you can… This is an unusual period. So that's why owning physical goods during periods of inflation allows you to ride the wave or come in with the incoming tide. It's a little bit like dropping a, dropping a cork into the Pandora Pond. When the tide's coming in, you get a free ride. Yeah. And effectively, that's what it is. Now, for those that don't own assets, it's very, very difficult because the horizon just gets further and further away.
1: Indeed, and you might be broad-brushing hmm. this, but uh, it would seem also that uh, it takes longer and longer for prices to reverse once inflation goes down. I mean, um, its, it's bit, I suppose it's a bit like buying oil when oil, oil goes down yes. o- overnight. Uh, the prices don't come down for weeks and weeks. So, well, that's what we paid for it, so we've <laughs> got to get our money back. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is well, that the same apply
0: with inflation across the board? Um, yeah, it, yeah it, um, it can do, because what, you're doing, what you do, can find is that um, some sectors have actually been making abnormally low profits for a period of time. So when the inflation comes through, they see it as an opportunity to get a bit of a catch up, and then it's quite difficult. They don't want to go back to the prices they were at before because it was pretty much fiscally non-viable. So yeah, it is it is quite hard to jawbone down back down uh, the rates to where they to where they were. And the other the other factor is that. You know, I talked about inflation being the thief in the night. It's also a thing that gains momentum. It's like a mm-hmm. snowball. Um, and it just seems to – it does snowball into a larger and larger figure, and it's a little bit – I guess it's a little bit like COVID in itself, like Delta. It's like one, once one person gets it, they can spread it to others. Yeah. And inflation is like that. So if you and I – so I gave you that analogy before about me filling up my car in the weekend with petrol. Well, imagine that if I was a lorry driver – and I was filling my car up every four days. How long do you think that I'm going to wear a fifteen to twenty percent increase in the cost of fuel before I pass it mm, across to my exactly. consumers or you know, the, the you know, the people that I effectively work for? I'm gonna to have to say to them, Hey guys, I need more compensation here because I am wearing it, I am doing it tough. So what happens is that everyone's passing across cost increases to one another and that's the snowball effect. And it's very, very clear at the moment that we have a really – the snowball is quite large now, mm. and, and it's going to – and one would expect the Reserve Bank's going to have to act quite aggressively. Are there any
1: countries in the world where inflation is legislated? What do you mean by legislated? <clears throat> well, what are you thinking, Well, for Can instance we- – um- and the price of gas has gone up. And uh, I, I know, for instance, when I filled my Suzuki Swiss up, Swift up, and I do that for two weeks, <laughs> yeah. it cost me $90. I thought, my God, I said to him, I like yeah. this it never cost $90. No. But when you look at the, uh, the taxation content of petrol, yes. you know, the government's getting quite a big bite of that cherry. So yes. could the government say, okay, well, we're only going to take so much tax. You're only allowed to put this much tax on these products uh, to curb inflation. Can you curb inflation um, unnaturally? Well, is it just a, like you say, it's a snowball and it keeps growing
0: and you yeah, can't do anything about um, it? to focus on an individual good is very, very difficult with inflation to do that because it'll just pop up somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and look, um, you know, a lot of governments have tried to do that historically, particularly those of the uh, left variety. Yeah. They've tried to control things on uh, through pricing. In fact, well, in fact, Muldoon gave it a bloody good go. Didn't he? Uh, with things like rent freezes. Mm. But the problem is you just, it's like playing whack-a-mole. Um, the inflationary effect just pops up somewhere else because um, it's like water you know like I, I, I mean, if you've ever had a leak you'll you know you know a leak in a roof you'll find that the water will just find its way in. Mm. It's very very good at doing it um, So there wouldn't really be an economy in the world that
1: could um, say this is where it stops. We won't have any more than two percent inflation.
0: <laughs> you can try.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, because someone like the US or China do that, and and N- because you know we sell to them, and they say, "Well, no, if w- you want to sell, this is our price."
0: Um, it's incredibly difficult to do that, and and look, you know, making something um, illegal or through legislation. Um, just doesn't work no. because it's just a line in the sand and that is all, and you'll end up being like King Canute trying to hold back the tide. Yeah. So for, I don't know, was it 12 hours between the tides or whatever the figure yeah. is, um, you know, for 12 hours you'll be right and then you're going to get swamped. The, but the issue, what it comes back to, it has to be done at a central bank level um, in conjunction with government because if you've got a government that really, really wishes to stimulate the economy and do a lot of big, big projects... Um, then they'll work against the central bank. Whereas if they both work together, um, then as we did historically in this country, where we had very high rates of inflation, and you and I have spoken about yes. this in the past, in the 1980s, where people were paying first mortgage rates in the low 20s, mm, indeed, um, and those, and and back then many people had second mortgages, and they were in the mid to high 20s as yeah. a result. By being set, naturally being second tier to the first mortgage,
1: crystal ball gazing, and you've seen it happen. Uh, uh, you've seen it happen here, and you've seen it happen across mm. the world. Uh, crystal ball gazing. How long do you think it's going to go on? How 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 much longer are we going to be hurting on it? Months, years.
0: It's not going to be months. It'll be years. Yeah, yeah. Because um, whilst it's taken quite some time to, for inflation to for the cat to get out of the bag uh very, very hard to get back in the bag quickly without there being a lot of pain. And when I mean a lot of pain, I mean, you know, central banks mm. around the world in a concerted effort getting together and lifting interest rates and reducing the quantitative easing program. So in simple terms for the layman, that is just stop printing money. Yeah.
1: Who's going to be hurt the most? Joe Blow at the bottom of the pile? Or?
0: No, no, no. Uh, um, y- y- yes, Yes, they are affected. But remember that those at the bottom of the pole that do not own anything or do not owe anything, yeah, they might not. Owe, um, they might, they may not own an asset that's being inflation adjusted up, but they also may not have a black monkey on their shoulder in the form of a debt obligation that's chewing its head off with a much higher interest cost. So, in fact, those that are over leveraged, mm. they are the ones that get really hurt during periods of high inflation. Because of the fact that once their fixed mortgage rolls off and it goes to floating, if they are unable to generate additional income, then they are unable to meet their service obligations, and that becomes bloody difficult. Yeah, and we've seen that in the past. You know, there were you know that case, and I've used it on the show before. the The term jingle mail, mm-hmm. and the term jingle mail is where. So let me say, in North America, So not in North America, in the United States, there are non-recourse loans. So the the lending on your family home is not to you personally, it is over the property. So if you are unable to meet your obligations and the property becomes underwater, in other words, like the debt is larger than the property or you're unable to meet those service obligations, people just mail to the bank the keys. Yep. Hence, it's called jingle mail. Now, we, there were periods um, in the early 1990s in Britain where people, now they are recourse loans just like in New Zealand, mm. where you are liable for the yeah. debt, but people were handing the properties back to the banks in the United Kingdom and saying, I can't meet my obligations, it's just too hard. And there's there's a potential that that happens here. I mean, hey, if you jump on any property, uh, valuation site New Zealand so you jump onto something like say CoreLogic or homes.co.nz and just have a look at the values around the community you know they are really really high Yeah. so for someone to get into a house in say I don't know I wrote an article the other day uh, and we were talking about it I think there are now 26 suburbs in Hawke's Bay that are now million dollar mm. suburbs well you know to buy something on a million dollars when we haven't had substantial wage inflation means that people have taken on more debt. Yeah. So, so look, yeah, those that have no debt and inflation comes in, it's just fine. Yeah. But it's those that have a big debt obligation that's where it hurts.
1: Which is a great segue into our last topic, mm. and that is um, possibly the uh, the article that you're talking about. Is property still the golden goose? (laughs) And Now, you and I have been talking for the last five years uh, saying that the property bubble is going to
0: burst. Is is this the time? Is it going to burst? No, it'll take a little bit of time for for any kind of negative number to come in. But if there's one thing that stops the property market, it's interest rates. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just stop the residential market, it stops industrial, commercial as well. Um, Because if... For example, Ken, if you were to go in and if you were to go out and look at buying a nice little two-bedroom home to have as a rental, and you were going to borrow, say, fifty percent of the um, purchase price, you know, you're going to borrow from the bank to do so. If the cost of the debt is increasing, or is, you know, is much larger than the rental flow you're going to get, then you are then dare I say it, you're probably not going to buy it no, you, because right. it's because it's not going to wash its face no. and you're not going to make it work so what happens is that as interest rates go up the corresponding cap rate or capitalization rate or in effect the rate of return uh, that that property yields you so in other words purchase price mm-hmm. versus, um, versus the rental um, you require a larger cap rate and as the cap rate goes up as the capitalization rate mm-hmm. goes up the capital value declines. Yeah. So so what we're going to start to see is that as capitalization rates start to go up, capital values of these assets are going to decline. We've had the opposite happen in the, in the past where, um, for example, in my time, um, you know, back in Hawke's Bay over the last um, um, 20 plus years, you know, lot North commercial properties used to transact at 7%. Then it was 6 Then it was five. And now you've had transactions going in in the late threes. You know, they are really, really low numbers. Mm. So someone who's going out to spend a million dollars is happy to only receive a a net rental that's after OPEX, so after paying insurance and rates, they're prepared to accept a return less than $40,000 on their million-dollar investment. So that would be the cap rate of 4% against the property value of a million. Although
1: having said that, that's probably better than they're going to get in the bank or on term deposit, isn't it? It is. Correct,
0: Ken. But what happens if capitalization rates go up? Mm. So all of a sudden you sit there and you go, well, my rental flow's still the same. I'm still getting, say, $40,000 after paying rates and insurance. But on the market, properties aren't transacting at 4% anymore. Properties are trans- transacting at say five or five and a half it means the property's not worth a million dollars mm-hmm. anymore. it's worth a lot less. So as we have cap rates or capitalization rates increase, you'll start to see you'll start to see some people will wear some paper losses. yeah the reason I use the word paper nothing is ever a loss until it's realized. so some people can wear it out for the long term and say it's okay, I can just wear this cycle that's no problem but the key is if you have no alternative cash flow and your mortgage or and your interest bills far exceed your income if you have no other form of income to pay for it then you are forced to realize the asset and that's where you see people and you know either forced to sell or the other word is like capitulation uh, yep yeah and we've seen that in the past but we haven't seen it for quite some time here
1: no, i just about out of time. And yep. t- today's episode is all we end about, if you don't mind me saying, doom and gloom.
0: Where is the light at the end of this tunnel? Well, the light at the end of the tunnel is that people just need to seek advice. They need to have a plan because there's a lot of people who've, ridden, who've, who've rode their incoming tide. And all they need to do is sit back and say, hey, what if I have a 2% change in my interest rates over the next three years? And if they just sit back and look, this is a simple arithmetic that can be done on one page and they can go, I'm fine, or they say, I'm actually going to run a bit short, then they would have a course of action or some action items where they would say, how can I get myself in shape so that if those interest rates do really increase because of inflation that they can ride it out? So the positive is, deal with it now before it arrives.
1: What do you think is going to happen to the market, uh, hypothetically, in December when uh, we're we're all back to some sort of semi-normal? Is it going to be gangbusters?
0: Yeah, it would be gangbusters. Yes. It it would be gangbusters because if we were to allow the 32-odd thousand Kiwis that are offshore who would like to return home. Now, I don't know how many of those just want to come back for Christmas to see their family and then will return back to where they live because, you know, they're, they're expats. Or how many are actually wanting to return to New Zealand for good. We don't know what that split is. But even if it was half that figure and we had, you know, net migration as a result of COVID, then it would put a fairly large positive price pressure through the residential property mm-hmm. market. Because again it comes back to one oh one economics. We just we haven't built enough houses and if we have a whole lot of demand coming in and especially with people that have earned foreign dollars mm. and they've earned more than more than the average Kiwi, they come back with a few more pennies to spend on yeah. the property than you or I, can, who have lived here for most of our lives.
1: Absolutely. So there's always a lot at the end of the tunnel, Nick.
0: Yeah, there is. And, you know, like, there's just so much going on at the moment in terms of how things work. And it wasn't – I could give you – I could give you statements from Adrian Orr, the Reserve Bank Governor, that talks about how inflation is incredibly benign, and and how you know everything's ticking along just fine. And I could give you those, and you know the inks basically only just dried on them. I mean, yeah. it was in the last <laughs> year, and but the fact is now you know inflation's here, and it, and things just happen so quickly now. Yeah, it's very it's it's very very fast. But that's why I say to people, sit down, take a little bit of time out. And Do a little bit of planning to assess and say, Hey, what's my plan B? What's my plan C? Yeah, what does it look like? Because it's an incredibly powerful thing to do to have a plan,
1: and that's what you're here for, Nick, to help people. So, just remind our listeners before we get out of here, um, we want to come and see you for some sound financial advice. How
0: do we get hold of you? Um, they can just anyone can give us a call on 0800. Um, Eight seven eight nine six one, or just jump on the website, which is www.stuartgroup.co.nz Nick, as was my pleasure. You look after yourself.
1: We'll talk at the same time, same case next time. information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge.